Welcome to the Sleep Easy Podcast, the program that's designed to lull you to sleep. I'm your host, L, and I'm here to help you relax by taking your mind off of all of the pointless thoughts that go on once your head hits the pillow. If you're new, thank you for joining us. By queuing up a few episodes, you'll find that it's easier to get to sleep. And if you wake up during the night, it's easy to get back to sleep. If you've been a loyal listener, thank you for returning. I'm glad that this podcast is helpful. Please follow the Sleep Easy podcast in your favorite app, because you're likely to fall asleep, which is my goal. But I hope you'll come back for another episode. They're released every Thursday. Is there anyone that you know who could benefit from a good night's sleep? Please share this with them. Before we start, make yourself comfortable and get cozy under the covers. Turn off the lights and any other devices around you so that you can make the room dark. Now, turn down the volume so that you can just about hear me. And let my voice be the white noise that tames your monkey mind so you can easily fall asleep. I found the topic for this episode in the Popular Science Library. It was published by P.F. Collier and Son Company in New York, and the copyright is 1922. Geology by William J. Miller, a professor of geology at Smith College. In preparation of this book, the author has attempted to present, in popular form, the salient points of a general survey of the whole great science of geology. The science which deals with the history of the earth and its inhabitants as revealed in the rocks. The use of the technical and unusual terms has been reduced to a minimum, compatible with a reasonable understanding of the subject by the layman. Weathering and Erosion All rocks at and near the surface of the earth crumble or decay. The term weathering includes all the processes whereby rocks are broken up, decomposed, or dissolved. A mass of very hard and seemingly indestructible granite taken from a quarry will, in a very short time, geologically considered, crumble. During the short span of the ordinary human life, Weathering effects are generally of very little consequence. But during the long ages of geologic time, the various processes of weathering have been slowly and ceaselessly at work upon the outer crust of the earth. And such tremendous quantities of rock material have been broken up that the lands of the earth have everywhere been profoundly affected. Most of us have noticed buildings and monuments 
in which the stones show marked effects of weathering. A good case in point is Westminster Abbey, London, in which many of the stones are badly weathering. Some of the more ornamental parts, having crumbled beyond recognition since the building was erected in the 13th century. In many countries, tombstones and monuments only one or two centuries old are so badly weathered that the inscriptions are scarcely, if at all, legible. What are some of the processes of nature whereby rocks are weathered? In cold countries, and often in mountains of generally mild climate regions, the alternate freezing and thawing of water is a potent agency in breaking up rocks where the soils are thin or absent. On freezing, water expands about one-tenth of its volume and exerts the enormous pressure of over 2,000 pounds per square inch. Nearly all relatively hard rock formations are separated into more or less distinct blocks by natural cracks called joints. Very commonly, the rocks also contain minute crevices, fissures, and pores. Repeated freezing and thawing of water, which finds its way into such openings, finally causes even the most resistant rocks to break up into smaller and smaller fragments. A very striking example of difference in climate effect upon a given rock mass is the obelisk in Central Park, New York. For many centuries, this famous monument stood practically without change in the dry, frostless climate of Egypt. But very soon after its removal to the moist, frosty climate of New York, it began to crumble so rapidly that it was necessary to cover it with a coating of glaze to protect it from the atmosphere. Temperature change, especially in dry regions, is also an important agency for mechanical breaking up of rocks. On high mountains and on deserts, a daily range of temperature of from 70 degrees to 80 degrees is frequent. Due to heat absorption, rocks in desert regions during the day not uncommonly reach temperatures of fully 120 degrees, while during the night, due to heat radiation, their temperature falls greatly. During the heating of the outer portion of the rock, the various minerals each expand differently, thus setting up a series of stresses and strains tending to cause the minerals to pull apart. The outer portions of the rocks, which are subjected to unstable and relatively rapid temperature changes, often crack or peel off in slabs or flakes, this process being called exfoliation. Stone Mountain in Georgia and some of the mountains of the southern Sierra Nevada range in California are excellent examples of mountains which are being rounded off by exfoliation. The principle 
is the same as that which causes the spalling of stones in buildings during fires. Masses of debris consisting of more or less angular rock fragments of all sizes commonly occur at the bases of cliffs and mountains. They represent materials which have weathered off the ledges, mainly by frost action and temperature changes. Where electrical storms are frequent, lightning often shatters portions of rock ledges. Many such cases have come under the writer's observation in the Adirondack Mountains of New York. Another minor weathering effect is the mechanical action of plants. The principle is well illustrated by the breaking or tilting of sidewalks by the wedging action of the growing roots of trees. In many places, the roots of plants growing in cracks in rocks exert powerful pressure, causing the rocks, or blocks of rocks, to wedge apart. Let us now briefly consider some of the chemical processes of weathering. The solvent effect of perfectly pure water upon rocks is very slight and slow. But such water is not found in nature because certain atmospheric gases, especially oxygen and carbonic acid gas, are always present in it, and they notably increase the solvent power of the water. Such water has the power to slowly but completely dissolve the common rock called limestone, which consists of carbonate of lime. This material is then carried away by the streams. Rocks, like certain sandstones, which contain carbonate of lime cementing material, are caused to crumble due to removal of the cement in solution. Carbonic acid gas in water also has the power to chemically alter various minerals in many common rocks, and thus the rocks fall apart and the carbonates which result from the action usually are carried away in solution. One of the most important changes of this kind takes place when the very common mineral feldspar is attacked by water containing carbonic acid gas, and the mineral alters to a soluble carbonate, kaolin, or clay, and silica. The oxygen, both of the air and that which is contained in water, is a very important chemical agent of decomposition of many rocks. Water at the surface and the upper part of the crust of the earth as well as moisture in the air, are also important chemical agents which bring about rock decay. We are all familiar with the rusting of iron, which is due to the chemical union of the iron with oxygen, thus forming an iron oxide, which in turn commonly unites with water from air or earth. Now many rocks contain iron, not as such, but 
held in combination with other substances in the form of various minerals. And this iron of the rocks, where subjected to the oxygen and moisture of air or water, slowly unites with the oxygen and water to form a hydrated iron oxide, which is essentially iron rust. The minerals containing considerable iron are therefore decomposed and the rocks crumble. There are various iron oxides, usually more or less hydrated, ranging in color from red through brown to yellow, and these constitute probably the most common and striking colors of the rocks of the earth. The gorgeously colored Grand Canyon of the Yellowstone River is a very fine example of large-scale coloring due to development of much hydrated oxide of iron during the weathering of lava rock. The process having been aided by the action of heated underground waters. Most of the soils of the earth are the direct result of weathering. Important exceptions are soils which have been transported by the action of water, ice, or wind. Although the process of weathering is very slow and relatively superficial, it is nevertheless true that in many places the products of weathering form faster than they can be carried away. Such weathered materials accumulate in their place of origin to form soils. The upper few hundred feet of the Earth's crust is everywhere more or less fractured and porous, and the rocks are there affected in varying degrees by most of the ordinary agents of weathering. In such areas, Outside the areas which were recently covered by ice during the Great Ice Age, it is common to find the loose soil grading downward into rotten rock, and this in turn into the fresh, practically unaltered bedrock. Soils of this kind are generally not more than 10 or 20 feet deep though under exceptional conditions, as in parts of Brazil, they attain depths of several hundred feet. In order to make still clearer some of the above principles of weathering, and also to give the reader some understanding of the most common types of residual soils, we shall consider what happens to a few rather definite types of ordinary rocks when they are subjected to weathering. A very simple case is that of sandstone. The mineral grains, mostly quartz, of which are held together by carbonate of lime. The lime simply dissolves and is carried away, while many of the mineral grains may remain to form a soil of nearly pure sand. Where oxide of iron forms the cementing material, the rock yields less readily to weathering, and the sandy soil will be yellowish-brown 
or red, according to the climate. Another simple case is that of limestone, which, when perfectly pure, yields no soil because it is all soluble. Pure limestone is, however, rare, and the various mineral impurities in it, being to a considerable degree insoluble, tend to remain to form a residual soil which may vary from sandy to clayey and usually brown or red due to the setting free of oxides of iron. According to one estimate, a thickness of about 100 feet of a certain fairly impure limestone formation in Virginia must weather to yield a layer of soil one foot thick. Soils of this kind, which are usually rich, are common in many limestone valleys of the Appalachian Mountains. In the case of shale rock, which is hardened mud, the cementing materials are removed. Some chemical changes in the materials may take place, and the rock crumble to a clay-like soil. What happens to a very hard, resistant, igneous rock like granite when attacked by the weather? Such a rock always consists mainly of the two very common minerals, field spar and quartz, usually with smaller amounts of other minerals, such as mica, hornblende, augite, or magnetite. The field spar, which when fresh is harder than steel, slowly yields when attacked by water containing carbonic acid gas and crumbles or decays to a mixture of kaolin, clay, carbonate of potash, and silica, quartz. Clay is an important constituent of most good soils. While the carbonate of potash is essential as a food for most plants. Due to yielding of the grains or crystals of field spar, the granite falls apart. The grains of quartz remain chemically unchanged, though they may be more or less broken by changes of temperature and the other minerals, which are mostly iron bearing, yield more or less to weathering resulting in a variety of products, among which are oxides of iron. A typical granite, therefore, gives rise to a good heavy soil, which is yellow, brown, or red, according to the climate. Such granite soils are common in many parts of the Piedmont Plateau, from Maryland to Georgia. Most of the dark-colored igneous rocks, like ordinary basaltic lava, contain much field spar, various iron-bearing minerals, and little or no quartz. Such rocks yield to the weather like granite, but because of lack of quartz, the soils are more clayey. Rich soils of this kind occur in the great lava fields of the northwestern United States and in the Hawaiian Islands. The importance of the breaking down of field spar under the influence of the weather 
as above described, not only from the standpoint of soil development, but also as regards the wearing down of the lands of the earth, is difficult to overemphasize, because that mineral is by far the most abundant constituent of the earth's crust. The term erosion is one of the most important in geologic science. It comprises all the processes whereby the lands of the earth are worn down. It involves the breaking up of earth material and its transportation through the agency of water, ice, or wind. Weathering, including the various sub-processes as above described, is a very important process of erosion. By this process, much rock material is got into condition for transportation. Another process of erosion, called corrasion, consists in the rubbing or bumping of rocks fragments of all sizes carried by water, ice, or wind against the general country rock, thus causing the latter to be gradually worn away. A fine illustration of exceedingly rapid corrasion of very hard rock was that of the Sill Tunnel in Austria, which was paved with granite block several feet thick. Water carrying large quantities of rock fragments over the pavement at high velocity caused the granite blocks to be worn through in only one year. Ordinarily in nature, however, the rate of wear is much slower than this. Pressure exerted upon the country rock by any agency of transportation may cause relatively loose joint blocks in which most rock formations are separated to be pushed away. This process, called plucking, is especially effective in the case of flowing ice. We'll stop here. Please visit the sleepeasypodcast.com and send me your comments. Good night. <laughs>